Hey folks, welcome to the Hang Your Own Hang podcast, a monthly podcast about hammocks, hammock camping, and everything related. Our goal is to enlighten you if you're a ground dweller, and to entertain you if you're already a tree dweller. I'm Jonathan Kupal, and this is my co-host, Mark Baldwin. Evening, Jonathan. How you doing? Not too shabby, thanks. I'm uh, thinking about the summer and how these recordings are going to get warmer and warmer. <laughs> yeah, they might get a little shorter and shorter as the days get longer and the Sun comes out a little bit more. Mm, more stuff hopefully. to do. Hopefully, although we have had two days of two or three days of sun now, so <laughs> so summer's over. Yeah, <laughs> since we're in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Although for what was that Saturday, we had the. Uh, I mean, just about every type of weather in about a fifteen-minute span. Yeah, somebody so. must have been uh, cursed. Yeah. So what can you do? Well, I know last week, last month we. Uh, we teased our 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 uh, guest for today, uh, yes. Brandon from Warbonnet. It uh, should be really fun. I know in the forums when you look at, especially when he started bringing stuff out, there there was a lot of um, conversations about people moving, especially from Hennessy to Warbonnet. And I I feel like a feel like a Catholic in the Protestant Reformation getting a chance to talk to <laughs> Martin Luther. <laughs> That's funny. But let's get on to the interview. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, Mark, for today's interview, we've got uh, Brandon Wadi from uh, uh, Warbonnet Hammocks. Hammocks. Uh, Brandon, welcome. Hi, guys. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you on board. You're on Colorado, right? Yes, uh, Evergreen, Colorado, uh, just just kind of outside of Denver. So we're uh, just west, up in the foothills, sort of in the in the piney woods. Okay, Evergreen. Yeah, my wife and I spent time in uh, Denver and Boulder for our honeymoon. It was I, I even from that little amount of time, I miss it. I envy you. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, Boulder's nice too. Now, when I was doing a little bit of digging around, it seems like you started camping actually just in like the two thousands, early two thousands. You know, um, probably the first, my first camping was, was, uh, was a backpacking trip I took in, and I would say that was in middle school. We went, uh, okay. the, the fiery gizzard trail. So this was probably like early nineties, uh, fiery gizzard trail in Tennessee, which is kind of near Foster Falls on the Cumberland plateau. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was like a church youth group thing. So I hiked that trail with like 25 or 30 other people. And, uh, you know, it was actually pretty cool. It was just something about being out in the woods and, uh, kind of being out there for a few nights that I, that really stuck with me. And then, and then in high school, a buddy of mine, um, had some, his house back up to the river. So we would, uh, we got a canoe and we would drive way upstream and put in and do overnight canoe trips down the river and camping on, camping on the banks and, uh, and all that stuff. Um, which was really cool. And I would love to get back into, into doing some float trips like that again. I haven't, haven't really done much of that lately at all, but, uh, really enjoyed doing that. Have to pick up a pack raft. Yeah, exactly. That would be really cool, actually. Um, mm. there's, there's a lot of rivers around here that, that would actually be really good for. Did you move to Colorado like during college or after college or something? It seems like that's kind of a great place to camp. Right. Yeah, it is, actually. Um, I went to college in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is uh, East Tennessee. Uh, got into rock climbing quite a bit. I was actually a little, probably a little obsessive about it. We went, we went climbing like every weekend for Saturday and Sunday and camped out Friday night and Saturday night and, and, uh, Obed wild scenic river, which is, uh, also on the Cumberland plateau. And you got these two rivers, uh, clear Creek and Obed, which kind of come together to a, a con- confluence and, um, hmm. it's huge, huge sandstone, sandstone walls, uh, all over the place and, uh, class two and three whitewater. And, uh, you know, so we'd go out there and climb all day. And then there's this, this cool couple that, uh, that, had had a beautiful piece of property right, right adjacent to the park, and they kind of ran a ran a little campground for for climbers and paddlers, and we'd we'd go climbing all day, and then we'd go and build a bonfire and smoke chickens and pork butts and drink beer and have a good old time. That's pretty cool. And, uh, that's actually probably that's probably actually when I got into into hammocks in college. Like I think I remember, uh, you know, we had a 
a, a group project for, for one of my classes and there's four or five people in the group and, and, uh, we went out to, we went out to this dam. I can't, I'm not recalling the name of the dam, but it was like on the Tennessee, North Carolina border. And, and, uh, so we were out there and, and then one of the guys in the group, uh, was a backpacker and he had like one of the early Hennessy hammocks. And, uh, I saw that thing and figured that's the ticket. I actually had, uh, had like a really simple style hammock that I had ordered a few days before that I even went on this trip. And, uh, and I remember, you know, seeing the Hennessy and then going back home and calling up whoever I ordered it from and canceling the order so that I could, uh, so that I could get a Hennessy. And I think I had actually one of the old, uh, old symmetric version. Oh, wow. Original. Like revision one. Yeah. So that was, yeah. So it was probably like 2001, something like that. You know? Um, so yeah. And then I moved, uh, to Colorado. It was, it was quite a few years later. I mean, I, I uh, worked with the Forest Service on a on a fire engine crew, uh, wildland fire crew in Idaho for uh, for a year. Mm. Um, came back to Knoxville for for several months. Um, you know, actually spent some time and did a long road trip in California and and uh, Nevada, and then eventually ended up you know winding up in Colorado, probably in like 2005 or so, maybe. That's pretty cool. And then. From 2005 to 2007, it sounds like you must have found some things that you um, liked about the Hennessy and things that you didn't like, and you started developing your own product. Well, yeah, I mean, I you know was out of college and uh, I didn't really have any fantastic job prospects, and and I thought you know like maybe I'll just start my own business, and uh, so I I literally uh, said okay, well, what am I gonna what am I gonna do? I've got to come up with something good, you know, so. Um, you know, I had the Hennessy and then I had like, I think I had a hammock bliss, uh, which is kind of like, you know, sort of like an Eno, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of like, liked aspects of both of it and both of them. And, and uh, I thought, oh, it'd be great if there was a zipper on this thing, you know, speaking of the Hennessy and, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was the right place at the right time. And I just kind of predicted that man, hammock camping is awesome. And it's about to explode. I know that it's going to be huge in, you know, 10 years. And, and it seemed like it was the right time to, to get on, in on the ground floor of an industry, you know. So, mm-hmm. so that's what I did. And uh, I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I better, you know, buy a sewing machine and learn how to sew. Because I didn't <laughs> have any idea how to do any of that <laughs> at the time. But that's what I did. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to do that. But, yeah, so I bought a sewing machine and I kind of taught myself how to sew and how to design and, and uh, kind of figured, well, I'm, I have to, you know, this is going to work. It's going to have to, it's going to have to happen. So, um, started messing around probably, probably a couple of years where I was, you know, designing and getting my selling abilities up to par. And, and then, uh, and then I introduced, uh, a couple of items at, uh, trail days in 2007. It was our first kind of our first day in business, I guess. Yeah, and and you brought the original Blackbird. I assume uh, your your first tarp with that, right? So yeah, so I took um, I took actually an older model hammock, which was the Eldorado. Um, there actually ended up being a, a little bit of a issue with it being too close to somebody else's patented mm. uh, product, uh, so that ended up being discontinued and actually. Um, kind of went out of business for about a year and a half um, and then eventually came out with the Blackbird later. But, um, you know, I guess the oldest product that we currently sell um, was actually the Yeti. Um, and I took, uh, I took basically the final, one of the final Yeti prototypes uh, to Trail Days in 07. Hmm. And, uh, and that was actually, I think, the original, the very first uh, torso-length underpoat. Um, and, you know, here we are still selling pretty much the same thing today. Um, still works. I know I had, I had a small hex tarp, I think that, you know, probably similar to the edge, but you know, quite a bit different as far as um, how it's put together and all. So yeah, I, I think I took three, three items, hammock tarp and a torso length under quote to trail days, took a few orders and, uh, met all the guys from hammock forums. That was kind of in, you know, probably the first two or three years of, of hammock forums. And a lot of those guys were there and kind of met them and became friends with a lot of those guys. And, and, uh, ended up getting getting involved and on the forums and kind of things took off from there. That's kind of interesting. I didn't know that the uh the forums actually had a physical presence ever. Well, it what they didn't have a booth or anything, but just just people from the forum. Oh, okay. Um, you know, Cannibal and AT Troll and Just Jeff and a lot of those guys were there. Hmm. Um at that at that 07 Trail Days. So, 
So you you developed the Blackbird and your Superfly first. What was the development process look like for uh, you know bringing that together? Well, um, so yeah, I mean the Blackbird was sort of out of necessity because, like I said, the original hammock that I came out with the Eldorado um, was was too close to a, a patented uh, hammock that someone else had. So I really had to rework that design quite a bit, and and it was basically the result of me deciding that, you know, I want to make a hammock that's sort of this certain style of hammock. Um, you know, I guess that being like a dedicated um, directional lay, a nice tight sort of uh, sleek bug net without a lot of excess fabric and things like that. And and uh, how am I going to do that without, you know, stepping on somebody else's toes? And mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's kind of where the where the Blackbird came from, I guess, is, is the result of... And, and it was cool because it ended up being... Uh, you know, probably much more popular than the original um, model would have been. Um, you know, at the time, it seemed like it was going to put me out of business. Like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You know, I can't, I can't sell this hammock, and I'm going to have to have to change everything. And I don't know if it's going to work. And you know, it was quite the obstacle to overcome. But you know, kind of took my time, and and uh, a year and a half went by, and probably a lot of people thought I was done. But uh, you know, came out with the Blackbird, and and a lot of people loved it, and and uh, you know, been selling them ever since. Um, wow. The Superfly, I guess, um, has gone through quite a few changes. Um, it originally had detachable doors that attached and disattached with uh, button snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, it also had like one giant door adjacent to one small door. Um, and uh, just over the over time, that's that's kind of changed into what it is now. I mean, originally the uh, I guess the first winter tarp was the Spear winter tarp. Uh, Youngblood designed that, and uh, and then I came out with the Superfly, the original Superfly, um, and then eventually uh, Spear announced that he was, you know, basically retiring and going out of business, wouldn't be selling stuff anymore, and I kind of gravitated my design more towards something a little simpler, um, with doors being integral to the to the shape of the tarp and being the same size and. You know, I, I really came to hate those uh, those button snaps. They're really a pain <laughs> from a manufacturing standpoint. As far as getting them, you got to get them on in just the right position. You got to account for the, any kind of fabric stretch or anything. And uh, you know, it was we were able to by just by just doing away with the the detachable doors, we were able to to offer the the tarp at you know a much better price and uh-huh. uh, save some weight and everything. So, and then that's actually kind of the design that uh, that everybody else ended up going with two there's probably five or six or more who knows how many but uh everybody's kind of using that original spear uh winter tarp design you know we basically uh got rid of the, you know we decided not to use the darts they had some darts going from like the ground corner up to the, the end of the ridge line and and we made the doors about twice as big and and other than that it was pretty similar um hmm. but uh mark it sounds a lot like the tarp you designed or built rather it's very it's very close um i just i have a just a diy one that i did and uh, basically, it's just from the ripstop by the roll plans, and just made you know took their plans and customized it some. Yeah, I mean it's just a, a great, really simple design that works really well and gives a ton of protection. And uh, it's kind of funny because everybody thought actually, you know, that Youngblood design uh, invented that, I guess. And, and uh, you know, actually he was he was on uh, Hammer Forums one day and made a post about uh, you know look at all these old hammock patterns. It turned out, you know, I think Google. Um, and search engine had just come out, and so we all were looking at all these old, old patents. And I guess there was a flurry of hammock activity back in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, there's hundreds of, of hundred-year-old hammock patents out there, and uh, all of a sudden, in one of them, you know, in the diagrams you see right there, it looks, you know, winter tarp looks hmm. like a superfly huh. or, or whatever, you know, and it's a hundred <laughs> hundred-year-old design. Wow. It's kind of funny um, that you know what people think is new is sometimes not not the case yeah well now people love the shelf and the foot box in the blackbird boy how would uh well how did that come about yeah you know that was um like i said before that was kind of just a a result of of me working around the patent issues that i had and and trying to trying to make something that uh you know that didn't have a lot of excess loose fabric and and um you know, avoiding, you know, I was trying to make something that had an asymmetrical lay, but wasn't necessarily asymmetrically shaped. And, uh, you know, the, the shelf kind of was like a little bit of a surprise really, because, 
it, uh, you know, they kind of was trying to figure out, okay, if I put this split box in there that I can do this and that, and then the, then the shelf just worked out to where like, Oh wow. It's great, great storage space, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of just a little added, added bonus, I guess, to that design. The design and the developing of the Wookiee really makes it a propriety product for you, right? The, uh, the one way lay on it and all. Well, yeah, it's pretty unique, I guess, in that, um, you know, most under quilts, you can really, it'll work for a, a left lay or also work for a right lay. And, you know, the Wookiee is kind of actually similar to the Yeti. The Yeti is also like that, where the shape is asymmetric so that there's a, a bit of a bump out in the insulation where your left shoulder protrudes. But, um, but yeah, the Wookiee is designed basically to lay one direction. And then if you happen to, you know, want a mirror image of that, you know, we, we can do that like a, as a custom, um, as a custom project. Now, do you get any, uh, any resistance from people or people saying, you know, only being able to go the one way or, you know, since the Blackbird is only a one way anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are people that didn't buy the Wookiee because they want to be able to share the quilt between multiple family members. And maybe some people sleep one way and some people sleep the other way. But I think most people, you know, um, you know, some people of course probably buy the hammock and the quilt together, but, uh, you know, a lot of people buy the hammock first and they're already, they've already got a, a dedicated direction that they lay by the time that they're shopping for an underquilt. So they already know that, okay, I, I pretty much always lay this one direction. And, you know, so it's not a, it's not a big deal to, to get an underquilt that's the same way. And I mean, as far as the underquilt, the, the Wookiee design goes, um, I mean, I think people realize too that for that particular design, if you, if you wanted it to work for both directions, you know, it would end up being quite a bit more more bulk and, and weight. Yeah. So people are, people are glad to, to save the, the weight and the bulk, I think. And, right, and keep just, it more uh, streamlined and all. Exactly. Yeah. Now it also has a uh, unique suspension on it. Uh, yeah, I guess a little bit compared to most, uh, under quilts. I mean, it is so different than, uh, than most of the under quilts that are out there. Uh, it's probably most similar to our, uh, links, which is the under quilt that we have for the Ridge runner, um, where, split directly to the end of the hammock at one end and then at the other end there's a a small um high stretch actually it's a it's just a small rubber band so it's not necessarily a high stretch it provides a lot of tension with with actually like a low amount of travel um mm-hmm. that way it keeps you know with 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 shock cord running through the sides of the hammock like for instance on the yeti um you know if you get out of the hammock or whatever the all that stretch in the shock cord kind of jacks your hammock up a couple feet into the air, whereas uh, having a low stretch band on the end, like the Wookiee or the Lynx, kind of allows the hammock to kind of act a little bit more naturally. Um, and you know, I mean, I probably would have would have designed it without uh, without any kind of um, stretch at all down there. Um, but I think you know you need uh, you need something there to account for the fact that you know different users weigh different amounts and mm-hmm. you know how that affects the hammock depending on you know the the model hammock they're in if they're in a, in a lighter weight fabric it's going to stretch more and if it's a heavier person you know it can stretch more or whatever so um so there's a little bit of variability there as far as uh what the what the quilt needs to be able to handle so uh you know a couple inches of, of stretch in that rubber band seems to do the trick and uh we actually have just recently switched to uh epdm synthetic rubber which is uh supposed to be uh the way to go as far as uh uv resistance and resistance to dry rot and things like that it's supposed to supposed to hold up well outside over time so uh, oh, okay. so we're using those now um do you do you think of yourself as a cottage manufacturer still yeah i do absolutely i mean obviously there's probably a gray area in there somewhere between you know a cottage manufacturer and you know, I guess a regular manufacturer, mainstream manufacturing company, but, um, you know, we're, uh, we're still a relatively small manufacturing company and we make our own products, you know, right here locally in Colorado. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, I think that's the main thing. You still get in front of the sewing machine and, and push out products yourself? For pro- for some, for, yeah, for prototype stuff, you know, not, not on a production basis. Uh, you know, I've got way too many other things to do, but, um, but yeah, mainly mainly for prototyping. But no, not <laughs> I'm not making anybody's uh, anybody's hammock anymore. No. Even if it's a left right lay instead of a right left lay. Yeah, I leave that to the to the professional sewers. They do <laughs> they do a better job of me anyway. I, you know, 
<laughs> it would take me three times as much time to to make as it, as it would one of them. So yeah, you're you're definitely in kind of a in between space, um, but you've got a really loyal customer base. Why why are people so crazy loyal to Warbonnet? I I mean I don't know. You know that might be a better question for the customers, but I mean I I like to think that you know maybe people people like the the designs and are happy with the performance of the products. Um, and we've been, you know, really lucky and I'm really appreciative of all the, the great reviews that we get. And that, that certainly, certainly helps as well. Yeah. Do do you see yourself growing out of being a cottage manufacturer? I mean, the, the industry still continues to change dramatically. I mean, I feel like we're still kind of on the leading edge of a, of a growth space. Yeah. I mean, that, that very well could be, I mean, we're we've kind of committed to you know keeping things manufactured locally and and uh, you know doing work ourselves. Um, so I don't see us outsourcing um, overseas or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it's interesting because some of the bigger companies are are getting involved now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're if they feel like they're losing their tent customers or they're just you know interested in hammocks because it seems that so many pe- other people are or what. But um, but yeah, it seems like uh, you know all the growth that we've we've had in the industry in the past ten years. It seems like it could just keep going and going. And there's just so many more. You know, you got some bigger companies getting into the space, REI, Nemo, and some companies like that. And and then you have uh, you know a lot of new startup, small cottage companies getting into it as well. It seems like every time I turn around, there's a new company and I'm that I'm checking out. So. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interest in in hammock camping in, in in general, and it seems like it's only only taking off. You know, yeah, it seems like the one big change that you'd have to do to not be a cottage manufacturer would be, I suppose, to to manufacture enough to have stuff in stock. Um, I mean, we try to do that to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, some things have a lead time. Sometimes we'll know that okay, these certain items are are popular, and we're going to try to stay ahead on them. Um, but I mean, I don't, you know, it's hard to say the exact definition of cottage manufacturer. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people think Z-Packs is a cottage company and they're way bigger than we are. I'm, I'm, I know for a fact. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, hadn't thought about that. I think, uh, I think it had, you know, in my opinion, I guess my definition of cottage manufacturer w- would just be relatively, relatively small manufacturing locally that you're doing yourself. And, uh, you, you know, those are, those are probably a couple of the main the main attributes i would say staying really um, tightly involved in the manufacturing process also working in a really cramped tight small space maybe <laughs> <laughs> we, started in, we started in a garage and we're still we're we've expanded like three times but we're still cramped and crowded and 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 crammed in there so that 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 probably goes towards it as well i don't know <laughs> now where did uh where the name war bonnet come from so war bonnet um uh, that was actually uh I did a sort of a climbing backpacking trip um, in the Sawtooth Range of Idaho. Uh, if you haven't been there, a lot of people haven't been to Idaho, but uh, Sawtooth Wilderness is an absolutely beautiful place. Um, really, really rugged and wild and, and, you know, makes you feel like you're in Alaska or something. But uh, we went back to the Warbonnet, Warbonnet Peak and Warbonnet Lakes area, which is kind of this, this cirque where there's – Warbonnet Peak on one side and I think Packrat Peak on the other side and, and some little lakes. And it's kind of the, the, the starting point of, of a whole drainage system. And, um, you know, we just, we just went back there and, and uh, did a little bit of climbing and it was just like a really like inspirational, beautiful, powerful place for me. And that was, that trip was probably a couple of months before I, you know, decided that I wanted to, to start an outdoor company and it seemed like a, an appropriate name. And, and, uh, so the area, I guess, is named after the mountain, which sort of probably looks like, a, from a side profile, looks like a Native American address. Mm-hmm. And um, so the company is, is kind of named after that. My brother-in-law actually drew the logo. And you can kind of see the silhouette of the mountain imposed over the uh, the silhouette of, of the headdress. And uh, it's actually probably, some people tell me it's the wrong silhouette, because if you look at it from the other side, it actually, the mountain, the mountain peak actually looks more like a war bonnet. But uh that was kind of the view that we had and that's the picture that I had. So, so that's the way he drew it. But, uh, and also too, uh, native Americans actually invented, uh, the hammock. So, uh, so I think it's appropriate to, uh, to kind of, inc- it's all incorporated into the, 
into the company name, I guess. Uh, oh, but yeah, okay. Saw, Sawtooth Wilderness, beautiful place. You should check it out. You guys should talk to, uh, anybody wants to go there, they should talk to, to Paul at Arrowhead because he basically lives like an hour away. So he'd be the guy to, to talk to as far as getting the beta and advice on where to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We've got tons of trips <laughs> where we want to go, but that whole family, kids, you know, work crazy stuff. But I what know. can you do? <laughs> I think that's that's everybody's that's everybody's situation, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. How about the uh, the the other names of your products? You know, your your Yeti, Mamba Jamba, Blackbird. Where's um where did those all come from? Oh man, um, really? I think most of the product names that I come up with are are basically me just sitting around brainstorming, trying to come up with cool names that, you know, people will like and remember, you know, um, mm-hmm. the blackbird, I guess is maybe a little bit different at, uh, the original blackbird before we kind of tweak the design a little bit, you know, it used to have a solid fabric for the foot box. Um, and of course now it's got mosquito net there, but back then if you were kind of standing at the head or the foot end, um, all of the bug netting, sort of, you know, the, just the shape of the bug netting sort of looked like uh, like the SR-71 Blackbird, which is like mm-hmm. one of the first uh, stealth aircraft, I guess, from like the 70s or the 80s. Uh, so it sort of resembled that. So that's where that name came from, and uh, which it still kind of does if you just kind of kind of don't take into account the, the footbox mosquito net. Uh, if you're looking at kind of the main, the main piece of netting there, it's still basically the same shape uh, as it used to be. But, uh, and then the Superfly actually had a up my wall in college, I had a poster, a movie poster of the movie Superfly from like the seventies, which I've actually to this day still never seen that movie, but for whatever reason I had the poster <laughs> on my wall. And, uh, so I think that's probably where I got the idea for the, for the name Superfly. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, the rest of them are me just kind of, kind of thinking it sounds cool, you know, just pulling stuff out of the air. Exactly. You know, one of the things that, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are always curious about is, uh, uh, what you use for your own backpacking kit? You know the uh, not exactly what's in my bag, but kind of like what's your what's your backpacking kit look like? I I assume that you've got a a um, war bonnet uh, hammock system of some sort. Yeah, so I've got a lot of I got a lot of war bonnet gear in there, um, <laughs> obviously. But uh, yeah, you know the mamba um, every time. Um, but uh, yeah, sometimes I'll take like the single one seven XLC with the Wookie. And sometimes I'll take the Ridge Runner with a Lynx and a Spin Drift. Uh, it just kind of depends on on what I'm feeling, I guess. You know, I still bounce back and forth between which of those two models I prefer the most. You know, I still don't really know if I have a preference between the two because they're so close. But uh, um, yeah, so so all pretty much all Warbonnet stuff. I mean, if I take the Spin Drift, I'll usually take a really small tarp, even in wintertime. I mean, a sock of any kind. Mm. spin drift or or otherwise provide so much protection that you know even with the even with the ridge runner and if, if you've got the spin drift on there i mean you can you can take an edge you know really small tarp in the winter time and it's completely adequate because the, the sock takes care of so much you know um i take the, the mamba jamma and the Superfly a lot too though if i'm if i'm taking the xlc out um you know i've got a i've got a few different uh few different stoves i guess i've got an old msr canister stove uh, that I've had probably for 15 years that that still works great and uh, the pocket know, I, I like or... that a lot yeah it's similar I think it's a different model um and I, and I couldn't tell you but uh but those those little stoves are just so convenient and easy you know yeah did you see they just canceled just the pocket rocket and... no I had not seen that actually yeah that they're... was uh they had that for for so many years you would think that uh I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear that there's a pocket rocket too yeah, yeah and, and what was the difference that we noticed? Uh, I think it was shinier, actually shinier. No, I, I think that was because we we're, we were giving a hammock um, seminar at a local outfitter here this past weekend, and we were looking at it in the pocket rocket. It was the pocket rocket too, and I think like one there was a knob that was red, it wasn't on the other. And that was, I think, really the unless there's inside stuff that was different, but yeah, that's all that we could find was different. I think it's supposed to be a little bit lighter weight, but yeah, the 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 base where it connects into your ISO canister is red. Now that way you know it's the two. Okay, uh, you know I've also got a couple uh, like alcohol stoves that people have made and given me over the years. Uh, I've got like three stick burners 
you know, got some little bug and uh, Emberlet and then like Vargo, like the kind of like the pyramid, okay. uh, pyramid cone, uh, titanium one. I like the wood burners. They're cool. Yeah, the the only issue with that out here, out east, is we get a lot of rain sometimes. And Yeah, exactly, and it's hard to find dry fuel. I get that. Yeah. So, yeah, not an issue out here, except a lot of times there's fire bans. So you got to oh, yeah. you know, take yeah. that into consideration, too. Yeah. But some of those wood stoves are nice because they have the little, they have the uh, metal on the bottom to kind of, you know, protect the ground or whatever from, from the coals. Mm-hmm. I've got the BioLite. And uh, I wish no, it wasn't okay. so heavy, but it's it's fun to cook with. You know, it's thing starts uh, going crazy. You, you know, venting all the the flames. My son was playing with it one time. He got like a four foot four foot flame coming off the top of that thing. It's really funny. Nice. Yeah, that's what's cool about those little stick burners. Like they kind of give you some, something to do around camp. You know, tend the fire and watch the fire. And I mean, you don't. It's just like a campfire. You know, it's just a little bit smaller. It does the same thing though good to stare at and, and occupy yeah. your time and kind of feed the fire and just enjoy the enjoy the night yeah what do you keep for uh comfort items um well I'll, a lot of times i'll take a little uh closed cell phone thin closed cell phone pad um just to sit on mm. you know uh, sometimes i'll take a little thermometer uh sometimes i'll take a like a single good high gravity micro brew a small oh, you're talking small small fillet or something i don't know for the first night but yeah. uh, i don't you know i take plenty of clothing i like to stay warm you know so uh you know if it's a short if it's a short trip i might take one of those little lightweight one pound uh collapsible chairs those are kind of cool mm, okay yeah. um, that's, that's probably about it as far as comfort items maybe a book so now when uh when you came out with the ridge runner were you surprised on how popular that that came out uh, you know, probably not really. I mean, I think as a designer, sometimes you wonder, is this item going to, you know, be a big seller or not? Or, you know, how, how, how are people going to react to it? And sometimes, you know, like, oh, this is great. and People are going to love it, you know? And I think that's kind of how it was with the Ridge Runner. I, mean, I loved it. And I figured, you know, why wouldn't everyone else, I guess. So, um, <laughs> the, the Wookiee too, you know, it, I just knew, I just knew right away that it was going to be a hit. So, so yeah, sometimes, you know, and sometimes you kind of wonder, but, uh, but yeah, the Ridge Runner was was a good one, so I now, think I knew. <laughs> now, do you have any uh, any other innovations you're going to be uh, coming out with soon, or are working mm. on any secret projects? Yeah, yeah, secret projects. Hmm. Well, uh, you know, I've kind of gotten away from telling people about that stuff. The last time I did that, it was, I told people we're coming out with a can- new camo pattern in a couple of months, and then it ended up being like a year and a half, and I had to answer a thousand <laughs> emails of people asking how much longer is it going to be on the camera better? But, uh, but I will say that, uh, you know, you probably asked me at just the right time because I feel pretty confident saying that, you know, we've got a, we've got a new three season tarp design that we're coming out with hopefully in, within two months, maybe even a little bit sooner. And, um, you know, they'll probably cost about two different sizes, you know, maybe, maybe something as far as like the still nylon option goes, you know, and maybe in like the 12 or 13 ounce range and then maybe something nice. in, 14 or 15 ounce range. One of the things I do like to ask, and it can be hammock related, uh, but what's kind of the, you know, like the one thing that you've, that you kind of always end up telling people or the one thing that you'd, you'd like to, to share if you could say, you know, this is the one thing I, I, I need to tell people about hammock camping. That's really super important. Oh, well, so you got me off uh, a little surprised there because I didn't know that this is a hammock camping topic. He said, what's the one thing you'd share with others if you could? Well, it can be a, non, um, it can be a non-hammock camping topic. That's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I guess I would say that, uh, you know, if, if there's if, you, if there's something that, that you feel you've convinced yourself that you can do, um, you know that you can do it, then you probably can as long as you're willing to put in a lot of hard work and effort and 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 follow through and even if even if everybody else is telling you you're crazy if if you're convinced that you can make it happen then uh then you can make it happen and uh you know just it doesn't matter if you're talking about starting a business or climbing a mountain or through hiking the AT you know just uh you just got to take it one step at a time one obstacle at a time decision at a time and you know eventually you'll turn around and, and you'll be there so now we also uh 
like to do a little roundtable discussion where we each take a little turn on talking about a topic. Um, well, we uh, start off with this time. What once you're done with your hike or you get to your campsite, you've made camp. What do you do with your downtime? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, sometimes I'll take a book. Um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I'll take a, a little stick burner stove and just sit there and feed the fire and stare into the flames and, you know, go deep into thought or whatever. Um, you know, uh, if you guys have ever built a, a fire with like a, a fireboard and a bow drill or something like, and you can, if you're not good at that, you can, you can spend a lot of downtime trying to, <laughs> trying to get a fire started that way. <laughs> oh um, yeah. <laughs> I've done that a few times. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so those are those are kind of some of the things I've I've done I guess. Uh, what about you guys, Jonathan? I guess it depends. Once I'm in my hammock, I usually have you know an episode of something on Amazon or something like that that I'll watch. But yeah, I usually have a couple of books that I'm working my way through either on my uh, Kindle app or or whatever on my phone, and I'll spend I, if I've got downtime and I'm not ready to actually get into bed or get you know start sleeping. I like to I like to grab a book and, and start catching up. I've been reading for years, and there's always something good, either something for business or something new in sci-fi or something old and something old that I just haven't caught up with yet. So big reader, and uh, I'm not I don't know I'm not a big campfire kind of guy, so that doesn't do as much for no. me. No, I, you know what it is? I get home and I just, I can't stand the smell of it on my clothes after I yeah, get Yeah, that's, that's the one downside, I think, you know, but sometimes you've been hiking all day. It's better than, you know, it's better than the way you smell, so. <laughs> <laughs> Nature's deodorant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Camp deodorant. Point and win. <laughs> yep. Mark? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I don't like just sitting around, so I don't usually have downtime. I mean, I'm saying I do like a lot of reading and all but something even just lying on the hammock i can only read a few pages and then i'm like you know what i'm just gonna hang out or go to bed um campfire i the only time i really like sitting around the campfire is you know if it's a big group and some yeah. adult beverages um you know if it's just a couple of us i'd rather be you know you can sit around the fire. I'll go get more wood or something like that, or you know, straighten something up. Or I, I don't know. I don't. I get antsy just sitting around doing nothing. So, but you know, if that you know, and sometimes it's it's tough with you know, and we're on doing on some of our trips with the boys. You know, a lot of times we don't have much downtime. I'm staying up till ten o'clock trying to get the fire going so I can cook my dinner. <laughs> yes, or, or yelling at the boys. Are they old enough to set up their own hammock and tarp setups yet? Well, the ones who hammock campers are absolutely, um, for the most part. Sometimes uh, they're they're still getting more sophisticated. Some of them are. My son, he's you know he's 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 not really. I mean, he does. He's slept in my hammock a couple times. He doesn't really care whether he's in a tent or a hammock. But um, I know some of the other boys are. You know, getting more into it. We've had a couple of campouts in the last few months and uh in the boy scout troop and there's every it seems almost every campout there's like one more will pop up that we didn't know how to hammock mm-hmm. so so but it's been it's been good yeah it's getting really popular with the boy scouts it seems like those that age of kids you know yeah well it's a good you know i think it's it's something good where you're not really worrying as much about you know who's whose tent partners with who and you know you can almost they could be in a, the same general vicinity without being in within the same tent and um they they seem to like it too being just swinging in the trees as opposed to being stuck on the ground yeah i heard they're maybe coming out with like a hammocking badge or something it seemed like there's uh, a thread on hammock forums about that the other day or something Oh, that's so. getting restarted again. I'll have to go search that out. Somebody actually a number of years ago, I tracked the guy down. They did a, uh, they made up a, like a merit badge and the whole nine yards, but they didn't get it passed through council. Mm. But I'll have to check that out. See see what the uh, see what they're doing again. So, um, anything you'd like to add that we didn't cover that that um, that you'd like to share about yourself or what you guys are doing with uh, four season hammock camping? Hmm. Not really that I can think of, honestly. Um, you, you guys covered 
quite a bit. I mean, those are good questions. Well, so. Thanks. Well, we really um, loved having you on the show. Uh, and we, again, we appreciate your giving the time. It sounds like we actually caught you on the tail end of vacation. So we're taking time away from you and your family. So thank you for that. Oh yeah, no problem. We got back uh, last night. So we've been kind of, uh, kind of taking it easy. One of the things that doesn't come up a lot, but seems to be gaining a little bit of traction is, uh, uh, something called a 90-degree hammock. A 90-degree hammock. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, they you know they come and go on the forums. Um, there's the that the Amok mm-hmm. hammock the drummer, right? Yeah, and I think they're up to yeah. I'm looking actually right now. They're up to the 3.0, and I believe like what was it last year when they came out with the 2.0? Shug and Syntex were both having their reviews on it. Um, and there was the big long thread, which is actually still going on, on the on the forum as well. I think it's up to like I don't know, sixty pages or something. Though. Is that the Kool Aid thread? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's still going. Actually, there was there was just posts in it today, I believe. Okay. So that's still going strong. But but it's you know it's interesting design. There's a couple different ones though on the ninety degrees between the Amok just doing some skimming around here and i just lost that um there's also that we were just looking at that hammock tent yeah and i think they've been around for a little bit longer um i know uh there's some reviews out there for the 90 degree hammock gamma ultralight that <laughs> seems a more traditional setup with the kind of the clues made of rope instead yes. of the the fabric wedge like the amok drummer used yeah and it's a, it's a really interesting thing this this hammock tent um i just you know we were going over it earlier and it's it's got the nice it's almost like a bridge hammock i mean the the hammock's got this complete it's complete like space age look to it almost with the little foot box at the end at the very bottom of it and all um it looks to me to be the lazy boy of hammock of hammocks (laughs) yeah yeah that's a perfect that's a perfect example of it, I think. Yeah, it's got the suspension. You can sit upright with yep. uh, by pulling in one bite a bit of suspension. You can adjust your feet up or down so you're kind of sitting more upright. It's it definitely looks like something that very very comfortable. Kind of hanging around camp for a while. Yeah, yeah, and then the, just to be, and then the the hammock tent one. It looks more of a traditional bridge hammock almost, just turned ninety degrees. Yeah, except from what I can see, it actually seems like it might be flatter, a flatter lie than a bridge hammock. Yeah. Um, um. The only thing is the um, the bridge hammock, because the width is determined by the the um, spreader bars, mm-hmm. you might not get as much of a, sh- maybe like a shoulder, so you're going to get in like this, which, you know, is essentially going to go up. The, the clues are going to be drawing you up from the center of gravity. So unless there's some kind of a spreader bar at the head end, you're going to be squooshed. Yeah, the only thing I could see possibly that would help a little bit um, to keep it from getting shoulder squeeze would, I don't know how, with the integration of the yeah, the pad that goes between the layers. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that would help spread it all. Yeah, that might if you had a solid enough pad, but I doubt you're going to get a ton of... You're going to get a ton of extra spread from that. Yeah, I don't know. Hanging in like a 90-degree lay has actually come up before in an early podcast. Yes, it did. Um, not really, and that not from uh, from two points of attachment either. No, the bat hammock when we interviewed uh, Treefool. Treefool, yep. Which is so. kind of interesting. I, I remember seeing the Amok drummer, and then I did a little bit of research, and I saw the hammock tent. I'm like, you know, that's a lot like... It's a lot like what he was using, except he was using a single suspension, more what a, a technical climber, which, which makes more sense for what he's doing, as opposed yeah. to this, which is essentially still two pieces, two suspension, two different trees. Yeah, he's definitely in you know, a different league there from, you know, where we're just wanting to stay a few inches or a foot or so off the ground, and he's 30, 40 feet up in the air. Ah, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> now, do you think um, do you think that the ninety degree style tent would or hammock would be better than like a regular gathered end hammock first? Um, it's it's interesting from like the, my one concern is 
tarp coverage. You know, you definitely have to be a get a pretty big tarp. I've never seen one of these 90 degree ones in person actually, so it's, you know, it's sort of tough to give a good judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I agree with you though. It seems like it would be more challenging to get a good um batting kind of a get patting your tarp down in dorm mode. Mhm. Like you do because you're you're laying transverse to the axis of your suspension, which yeah. in layman's terms means your head and your feet are going to be bumping up against your tarp anytime you swing. Yeah, and actually there was actually I think I read this morning on the forums there was somebody that posted about that, and it got they got caught in the rain, and I think their foot box of their top quilt no their top quilt ended up getting all wet. Oh, because it was um, up against the inside of their tarp. Yeah, it was something something like that. Um or it just wasn't big enough. The 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 tarp itself uh, that might not have been big enough cuz I don't think they had the one of the Amok tarps. Yeah. It might have been something else. Now the um, one thing I did think was really cool about the the hammock tent in particular if you're using that particular type of a product, you, they really I mean you're using a traditional pad for your insulation. Mhm. And I thought it was kind of neat that the the tarp that they sell um, is uh, is very similar to a regular tarp that you might use your ground ground dwelling. Yes. God forbid I say that. <laughs> but they're essentially it's a it looks very much like a traditional tarp tent, mm-hmm. which means that you've already got everything you need to go to ground if you're if you're camping or. Uh, hiking where you may not always have access to right and actually it's in i'm part of their hammock um one of them i thought i saw about using it as a bivy as well so um maybe it was yeah with the gamma i think Uh, you're right i think that's what they're suggesting is you know lay it out on the ground you know with the screen with the bug nap Right underneath their tarp tent, and you've got everything. Essentially, you're just not using loose to to spend the sides. Right, right. So you're just, you know, like you said, God forbid, on the ground. <laughs> but still, it's you know, if you're in a buggy area, instead of just setting up the tarp as, uh, you know, just as a tarp tent, um, and then sleeping on your pad, then you'd at least be have your coverage as well as your bug protection. Yeah, no kidding. That could kill you at night. Yeah, and with the spring that we've had, especially here in the Northeast, um, it's probably going to be pretty bad. Well, you're probably right. not only ticks, but mosquitoes. And in the South, they got chiggers, whatever they are. Yep. I'm, so I, I, uh, I'm lucky to not have had to deal with deal with that. I've heard they're <laughs> they're just as nasty as those, but more so. Yep. So. Um, yeah, so it's some neat neat products, pretty well thought out. I uh, I would love to try one sometime, but. Um, maybe not this year. Yeah, I've got more stuff to, you know, it's one of those things when you start getting close, you always find something new you want to get, so. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there and done that. Yep. For the first time we want to try doing here is, uh, we've got a new product here and it's something to, I guess would say, keep you occupied while you were lounging in our hammock or getting ready to go to sleep at night. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the hang time hook. Okay. And it's a neat little object here that basically just hangs from your ridge line and it's got a little clip for your cell phone and it basically angles angles the screen so you don't have to hold it in front of your face. And it's you know, it's fully adjustable for different angles and you know, you could slide along your ridge line and all. It's a it's actually a pretty neat little item here. That's cool. So it's kind of like what you'd have for your car to put to hang your cell phone up or whatever, but it went instead in your hand. Yeah. So you can and you could slide it away. You're closer to your face. Okay. Um, and then uh, and it's got a like a big alligator clip type holder for your phone. So it's you know if you you're not limited to you know only for an iPhone or an Android phone for different sizes. Yeah. How big uh, does the clip get? Um, I saw it, not exactly, well, let me put, the, I do have, I have a Note 4 that I use. Oh, that's honking. With a big case on it, my total, whipping out my ruler here, I'm just under 
three inches and three eighths. Three and three eighths inches wide on my phone. That's 8.57 centimeters for those of you in the real world. <laughs> and that's another story. <laughs> um, but when I do open it up for my phone, it doesn't feel like it's stretching it. Like it could definitely go, I would say, another three eighths of an inch bigger okay. before it starts to really stretch it. But I don't. So at so, least 90 millimeters. Yeah. It's three and a half inches better than three and a half. Yeah. But it's. Uh, it's a neat little product, and you know I haven't got a chance to really use it yet. Um, actually, I'm definitely planning on bringing it with me this weekend when we bring the boys out camping. Oh, cool! So, uh, did you get um, a chance to measure it? I did. Throwing it on my scale, I had it weigh in at 1.66 ounces or 47 grams. Okay. And sort of tough to take a measurement of size wise but we've got approximately six inches from where the it from where the um hook for the that hooks on the ridge line down to the bottom of the clip we had about six inches and from the front to the back was so figuring the front of the alligator clip to the back of the hanging part uh about five inches okay so about 15 centimeters by about 13 yes again for our european Yep. Our Canadian friends just across the border. Yep. Um, I did talk to the guy who's manufacturing it. It's made of... He's actually not doing a lot of manufacturing right now. He's actually manufacturing with his 3D printer. So he's he's prototyping it to see how much interest he's actually getting. So he's mm-hmm. he's actually manufacturing it out of ABS plastic, um, which is a little bit more of a durable plastic than that you get on some on some 3D printers. Um, Let's see. I know that we've got one in our basement that we were, and I think we, most of the three printer like MakerBots come with PLA, which is a bit of a softer material. Okay. This does feel like it does feel like a, a more solid plastic. Um, yeah, it definitely feels du- it definitely feels durable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I like all the little the little hooks and all on it. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that there was a bunch of extra thing like little doohickey or doodads almost that he kind of built into. Yeah, and also you know looking at it, there's there's a couple different hooks. Well, it's, it's sort of like there's a little V hook on the top, and it almost seems like something that you could have your earbuds on watching whatever movie, television, whatever, and you can almost just throw them right up there without having to worry about roll them up or do anything. And then that's something you could just, you know, deal with in the morning. Yeah, that's that's kind of a nice idea, especially if you're, like, in your sleeping bag or whatever. It's nice to kind of get your shoulders and to get the cable out up out of the way. Yeah. Um, so. so that cable management, I think, was really well thought out. Um, yep. Um, do you know how much it costs? Does he have a price? Uh, we are looking at right now about... Fifteen dollars with five dollars for shipping and handling. Okay. Yeah, I remember he was. Um, he's only currently taking orders right now, or, or questions through. I think his Facebook site. Facebook page. Yes. Yeah, I'll include a link to that. Um, and he can also take an email. But the the Facebook page for you guys who are listening is facebook.com/slash hangtime.hook. H a n e t i m e dot hook. But it will be uh, there will be a, a working link in the show notes. So if you're if you're using uh, I know at least if you're using an iPhone, you click directly on the link and, and ask a question. Or um, And I'll also share his uh, uh, email contact information as well where he orders for those of us who don't, don't want fake accounts. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of it overall? <laughs> Is this a, Was this a solution waiting for a problem? Do you think it's a little better than that? I like it. Um, you know, I don't do too much. I, I'm I'm on my phone all the time. And I, I use it a lot of times before I go to bed a lot at home. Mm-hmm. And I've tried using it, you know, reading books, watching videos. Um, I don't watch too many videos when I'm in the woods because I'm more concerned about battery. And so, but I just tend to go to sleep at night when I'm backpacking or camping. Okay. If I had something set up in my, you know, if I had a something set up in my backyard, I think this would be fantastic. 
where I'm not worried about, you know, battery life or anything. Um, or even, you know, if somebody's worrying about how much data they're using or, you know, they don't have a lot of room for movies on their, um, on their phone where they can get the Wi-Fi in their house and they're just in their backyard, I think this would be great. Yeah, or maybe for hammock camping in the shoulder seat or an early riser. And yeah. I could, yeah. See that being, I, I could see it being useful in those situations. You're just, you've got some downtime. Maybe you're having your coffee in your hammock and you're able to get up and... Yep. I yeah, have, no, that's... I have a sneaking suspicion you might be doing that this weekend. <laughs> Since we're <laughs> with a bunch of teenage boys this weekend. Yeah, but we're going to have a long Sunday, so um, we might be getting them up instead of lounging around in the hammocks. Yeah, that's true. So. Well, it's only, it's only, what, 15 on Sunday? That shouldn't be yeah. bad. Nope, nope. So, what do you think? Thumbs down, thumbs up? I I would give it thumbs up, especially since, you know, it's still an early prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, but from, it seems well built. The only, I hope that it'll be a long life of um, being able to take it apart for packing the little ball that goes in this little like almost like hip joint um thing here um it seems like it's it's snug but it the female part of it isn't doesn't seem like there's too much pressure on it um where i've seen these types of cell phone holders for your car and all Mm -hmm. um those tend to break but it it seems pretty good yeah, he had. I know he had mentioned early on he'd had some issues with the ball breaking off, um, and it is repairable with uh, acetone. Acetone, yeah. Which is nail polish rubber, but um, I think he corrected it in later batches, and certainly that kind of problem would be less likely if you're using an ejection mold. Mm-hmm. I think I'd agree. I think I think it's a thumbs up. Uh, yeah. The uh, the the manufacturing quality of uh, the printed prototype is exactly kind of what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd probably take a, an emery board or something and just buff off some of the trailings from the the print itself. Mm-hmm. But I don't find that offensive, especially offensive, especially in this price point for twenty bucks. Um, especially if you like to download a movie and you know, or a couple of movies on your Netflix account and watch those before you go to bed. This is, I think, this really solves that problem in a way that hasn't really in a way that's yep. elegant. Actually, the way you were saying about smoothing out the emery board, I almost like it a little rough. It's almost something to grip to, you know. Uh, hold it instead of you know something plastic smooth if you have wet fingers or anything it could be all slippery but i mean not that this is something you're carrying around and you hang it and it's you know you hang it and forget it but mm-hmm. i like it oh, I so like it too. well hopefully there's enough interest uh generated over the next few months that uh he decides to go ahead and do a kickstarter i think that's his, his for the future is actually a kickstarter campaign and actually get it funded it's uh financially feasible yeah because so. uh Doing them one at a, well, I think he's doing them like six or eight at a time. Doing it in that kind of frequency in a um, in a in a three D printer. <laughs> time yes, yes, it could. So for next month, yes, I'm kind of excited. We're going to uh, get a do over. Um, <laughs> you'll remember that we were going to interview Trekking Nut a couple of months ago, and we ended up interviewing Spagiver. Yeah, yeah, and it was uh, it was great that he was able to bail us out at the last minute. He was on our queue to uh, be interviewed, but um, it just was moved up a little bit. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes yep. that happens. But um, we're going to be able to bring uh, Jimmy McSparren back on. He's uh, given his time in service to his country, so we'll uh, we'll bring him on the podcast. Yeah, looking forward to see what he has to say. Me too. All right, Mark, so uh, one of the things that we had for this episode, or last episode, was uh, Tato Gear offering to do a drawing of his really cool wood-burning stove. Um, so I think it's only fair that we do a random number drawing. Yep. Now, I've, uh, when you Google random number generator, uh, Google actually has one that they've built on their website. So we actually had 70 people who... Uh, submitted a comment and somewhere in our social media so thank you to all of our uh hangers out there um the random number generator generated number 50 who is that 54 from we have a let me look here a jacob paquette jacob paquette yep that he had a comment he had a comic comment i'm sorry on facebook uh, Jacob had a his comment on our Facebook page. It was uh, just awesome episode as always. Keep up the good work. 
So congratulations. All right, we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you in touch with uh, the folks over at Tato Gear, and they will be shipping out your. Sounds great. Okay, well, with the Tato contest going on, there were a bunch of listener comments this this month. But we uh, just to highlight just to highlight a couple of them. Jonathan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, I actually uh, want to start off with a, a retraction. Uh, Ashley Cadenhead, who I actually know personally, uh, sent me a very long text message. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just share this with you. Uh, just finished the latest episode. It was good. The only thing I would point out is you kept saying spot instead of Garmin inReach. The two-way texting is why I chose the inReach products. For 100 bucks more startup, you end up at the same cost after two and a half years with the added benefit of partially your service contracts instead of a full year and two-way texting. All of these may have changed in the last year and a half, of course, but I pay the, I also pay the $20 a year for rescue insurance, which means if you press the like super SOS, it's not $50,000. Mm-hmm. Right. You're essentially funded. You've got that insurance uh, as a side note. Um, he says, in case my knee blows out and I need help, I've got that insurance. And if I plan a bigger hike, that will make my wife feel much better about it. <laughs> yep, yep, that's something sometimes that's what you got to do to be able to get out there. So, but we have uh some other comments from Deadman975 on iTunes. It says enjoying the guest interviews and knowledge you share each month. Keep up the good work. Thanks Deadman and we've got another one from the HYOH podcast website. We have John Choate Sorry if I butchered your name, but (laughs) love listening to you all on our way to trips to Hoosier National and Red River. Yes. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, there's actually quite a few messages this month. To end up, we'd like to give a shout out and a thank you to Shug who heard our need for more coffee and sent us a generous donation. And Jonathan and I definitely took advantage of it, spent some time at Tim Hortons, and got ourselves some coffee. They have the best apple fritters there, man. The best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so thanks a lot for your support. Yeah. In fact, thanks to all, uh, all of our donors, including Chug, that we've had in the past. Producing and hosting a podcast isn't free, so every little bit counts. If you're a cottage manufacturer or a vendor interested in publicizing your product on our podcast, please reach out to us for more information. If you're a hammock camper and would like to donate but just don't have the cash hanging around, we have an opportunity for you. Audible.com has agreed to give us money for every single person who signs up for their free 30-day trial. So here's the deal. You don't have to give any money to anybody. You can keep your free downloaded audiobook from your first 30 days, even if you cancel before those 30 days are up, and we get a little donation for your effort. Uh, it can be easily linked to your Amazon.com account if you have one. Um, if you don't, it's very easy to sign up for a new account. Yeah, I already signed up. It automatically links to your Amazon account if you already have one. Mm-hmm. And I already put on my queue to listen to on my next long drive. My next long drive. I've got Running Blind. It's the book four in the Jack Reacher novels, and also the subtle art of not giving a f- a counterintuitive approach to living the good life. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to audiobooks when I'm swimming. Um, I just downloaded uh, Grandma Gatewood's Walk, the inspiring story of the woman who saved the Appalachian Trail. I thought that was a really interesting one. Um, and I actually have a walk in the woods in my wish list for next month. Uh, that was uh, the both books that have popularized the AT and uh, popularized uh, hiking in general. So to all of the hangers out there, thanks in advance for going to www.hyohpodcast.com slash audible to make sure that we can get the credit for your free trial. Uh, I'll add a link in the uh, podcast notes as well for for the podcast so you have an easy way to get there. And that's the show for this month. As always, you can find us at www.hyohpodcast.com or on our Facebook page at HYOH Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give us a positive review on iTunes. Or even better, you can buy us a cup of coffee by going directly to hyohpodcast.com slash donate and make a one-time donation. 
Don't forget to tell your friends about us, of course, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. As always, if you want to comment or have a question, please visit our Facebook page, where you can send me an email at mark at hyohpodcast.com. And me at jonathan at hyohpodcast.com. Finally, special thanks to Skid Von Ark for allowing us to use his music for our intro and our outro, and to ITX for hosting our podcast. Thanks, everyone, for hanging around. A thin piece of fabric suspended in the air. Should I even try it? Or should you even dare? Add two straps and a couple of toggles. How this would even work? My mind began to boggle. Yeah.